Docking number ending, 1960. Welcome back. It is time to go on the docket. This week on the docket. Good evening, it is Monday night, and you are listening to The Docket. I am Jeff. And I'm Tom. Tom, I just got back from my honeymoon. Yes! Uh, listeners of The Docket last week will know that I got married, uh, apparently, mm-hmm. at a chapel in Reno, Nevada. Yes. Uh, and then I had my honeymoon on the forest moon of Endor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was up in, like, the trees, in the like the little hanging, like, the tree houses with, like, the rope, you know, things. Um, well, we didn't get to talk about, since you weren't here, but... Um, did you enjoy my best man speech? Your best man speech was incredible. You know, Thank you. And like they had this great moment at the end where you talked about like how like well, scientists mean, will tell you like the odds of finding the person you love, and then you put on a Han Solo vest. No, no, and no. You looked at us and you were like, "Never tell me the odds." Well, I mean, I said I said the whole speech in Wookie. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, and then somebody <laughs> translated it. Yeah. No, no, no. You gave the speech as Han. No, but you're then, like, Han. Yeah, all right. And then and then it was translated into Wookiee. Yeah. And you're in the background. <laughs> um, Tom, did you know that Endor is not a planet but a moon? A forest moon? I thought they were on a moon from Endor. No, Endor is the name of the forest moon. I don't think we know the name of the planet. Are you sure? I thought Endor was a planet and they were on a moon. No, the ba- it's a secret base on the forest moon mm-hmm. of Endor. Oh, maybe it yeah, is the forest moon of Endor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm misinterpreting that. Mm-hmm. Well, so I wonder. Well, actually, you know, I'm not it. sure. It could be the forest moon of Endor. No, it's the forest moon of, of the planet Endor. Endor. Yeah, but then the the films, the Ewok films, are like call it the battle for Endor. So do the Ewoks then leave the forest moon they live on and travel to the planet Endor, where like I think a witch lives, if I'm remembering correctly. Is this in, like, the Christmas special? The Christmas special of B. Arthur is different. <laughs> Do you remember that there was two Ewok movies? Yeah, man. There was, like, Ewok the Adventure and, like, Ewok, like, Battle for Endor. Yeah. And I guess at one point they must address the fact that they live on a forest moon and then go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I've seen this in the vodka before, and if I have, forgive me. Just go for it. But does it bother you that every planet in Star Wars only has, like, one meteorological effect you have, or at least you said this to me. Before. Like, there's the ice planet of Hoth, like the desert planet of Tatooine, the forest moon of Endor. Like in the most recent, fi- like like there's Naboo, the water planet. Like they're never like we're gonna go. There's a city planet. They're never like we're gonna go to this planet, and uh, it's got some tropical areas and some cold areas, some four and, seasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe there's even one continent where like it's all different. <laughs> like it's a very like mono weather galaxy. Yeah. Um, you may have noticed uh, an absent, a sweet voice, not at the table tonight. I know. Um, Matt went to the islands to get his hair braided. Yes. Um, yeah, we talked to him recently, and uh, now he's uh, saying mon a lot. <laughs> Do you think Matt is going to come back and have basically had a seventh grader's trip? Like, he's going to have, like, one strand of his hair braided. He's going to have, like, a, like a yama, like a t-shirt with, like, Jamaican guys on it, and maybe, like, a mon Is it tie-dyed? Yeah, and he'll have, like, kissed a girl from, like, three states away, and, like, we're not totally sure if it happened. But, like, you know, like, we believe him because he tells us, but then he's, like, part of it maybe sounds a little suspicious. Yeah. And, like, he has a picture of her, but, like, he's not in the picture, so maybe it's just, like, one of his cousins, and it's, like, really embarrassing. 
and like we're not really sure. And like for like a week, he just comes back and he's like listening to the Bob Marley Legend cassette a lot, and it's like telling us about like island life, romantic time. He ended up getting her like a flower and he put it in her hair. He put it in her hair. Night. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they went to and like they, the big luau at the end of the yeah at the end of the time. And they, they said they're definitely going to keep in touch when they get back to the states. Yeah, and Matt's going to like write her letters. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Well, Matt, we hope that you and and this girl from like Connecticut are having an absolute blast. Yeah. Um, Monday night here on the docket, we are watching a Villanova Butler game. If only it was Tuesday. Oh, it is Tuesday. Yeah. I must have Monday in the beginning. Tuesday night, it's docket night. I don't know why we docket every Tuesday. Yeah, come on, bro. Um, I hate Villanova, mm-hmm. and I love Butler. As a former Hoosier, okay, I love Butler. It's a good college in Indiana. I loved the crazy Butler run. That you remember well to do, kind of like Brad Stevens. Jeff, and, do you know that I knew that the Hoosiers were from Indiana? Um, yeah, yeah I, okay. didn't, I didn't know that, but I'm also like, it's not like a thing that's hard to know. Well, after my braiding on the docket a couple weeks back. Do you know that all people from Indiana are Hoosiers? No, I didn't know that. Like, it's the mascot of the school, like the Indiana University Hoosiers. Okay, I figured that. Um, but also, like, a Hoosier is a person from Indiana. Like, oh. it's, it's just like a nickname for an Indianan. Um, Indiana, in Indiana, Indiana, yeah, okay. from Indiana. All right. And I looked into it extensively, and there's really no explanation for what it means. Like, there's different theories, but nobody is totally sure what a Hoosier is. Question. Yes. Do you remember the show Erie, Indiana? I loved Erie, Indiana. How great was that show? Yeah, I remember there was a show where I remember there was one about a kid who like was a kid forever. His parents put him in Ziploc bags yeah, every night. Yeah, they put him in Ziploc bags And he was night. actually like really old and he found out like he looked through all like the yearbooks and he's in the yearbook like every year from yeah, like 1950. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, Erie Indiana was a dope show. All right. I know it wasn't a show, but does, is it still a town that they don't, um, they don't do daylight savings? I think they actually changed it. So when I lived in Indiana. But in real life, they at one point in time. Well, the entire state didn't. Oh, okay, okay. So when I lived in Indiana, half the year I'd be on Central Time and half the year I'd be on East Coast Time. Uh-huh. And I always refer to East Coast Time as American Time and people get really mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was really confusing. It's like daylight saving time would hit and then all of a sudden I was an hour behind all my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, now that I'm remembering actually, um, it was twins that they put in yeah, Ziploc bags every night. I remember when that show came out, I was like, this is going to be the fucking hotness. And it was on for like four episodes. Yeah, it was, it was basically like the Twilight Zone for kids. It was more like an X-Files for kids. Yeah, yeah. something anthology. This True. was like the one kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I lived in Indiana, me and my friends um, came up with this game. And we were like thinking of stuff to do one night. And we were like, okay, like we can either have like ultimate middle school night, ultimate high school night, or ultimate college night. And ultimate, and we ended up doing ultimate middle school night, which was we all, it was like a Friday night, and we all went to the mall. Okay. Um, and like hung around at the mall and like went to the arcade and like ate at the food court and like just like had a really fun time. Ultimate high school night was gonna be um, we were gonna like just drive around and like and, and like hang out in parking lots and like look for stuff to do. And then a few weeks after we came up with the idea, we actually had Ultimate College Night, which is we all drove to Butler University to try to find a frat party. I wanna do all these. And right, aren't there dude, Ultimate Middle School Night when we went to the mall, me and my friend Matt Cat had the time of our lives. Like we had so much fun at the mall. Um, and Ultimate College Night, and I was not that old, I was like twenty-three. My other buddy's 23, and I remember my, my one buddy, uh, he was an Iraq war veteran, he worked with me, and he was 30, and he seemed impossibly old. And the three of us went to Butler and like just kind of drove around until we sound like a, like a house that looked like there was something going on. <laughs> and and we were all kind of like nervous to go in, mm-hmm. and my friend who was 30 was just like, shit man, he was uh, from Kentucky, he was like, shit man, let's go. 
And he like walked inside and he's like, we're here to party. And everybody was like, cool, guys. <laughs> and like we ended up staying there for like an hour, but it wasn't fun at all. Like uh-huh. my friend who was 30, I think had, the, had a better time. You know, because he was kind of yeah. like, and like right now, if I would do a college party, I would have fun. Because I'm like, this is weird. And he was like yeah. playing beer pong. I was at that age where I was like, felt just strange enough because I was like one year too old to be there. Sure. And like, I could conceptualize what it was like to be a college student. Mm-hmm. So like, it, I, like, I was like, well, what are these people going to think about me? Like, what if I get into a conversation and somebody asks me like what my major is? You know, but also if you're older at a college party, it's kind of like a move you can pull. Like, remember when we were in college and sometimes cops would come in and party with us? Yeah. And it would be funny because it would make these 40-year-old cops in uniform are playing beer pong. But, like, if it was just, like, a 23-year-old who was, like, an accountant, who'd fit one of our parties? We'd be like, get out. Yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> old. <laughs> you old loser. We're going to be 19 and young forever. Um, Jeff, was this also um, my one of my favorite stories that you have is the Walmart story? Oh, the Walmart story was a different night. But, really, it's a great example. Like, I learned so much about the mid- when I lived in the Midwest about myself and about others. But, like, one of them was how much fun you can have when your friends' lives don't revolve around drinking. Oh, um, that's not fun. Not a shot at you guys, but, <laughs> like, in college and now, like, my friends basically are like, oh, what do you want to do? Let's drink. Like, mm-hmm. there was never really a lot of, like, oh, like, let's maybe just do, like, some interesting activity. Yeah. And when I lived in the Midwest, like, listen, everybody partied. Like, we went out to bars. We drank all the time. But, like, we would also frequently just come up with fun things to do. Uh-huh. And one night, it was, like, a Wednesday night. We couldn't sleep. And it was like 11 o'clock at night and me and my two roommates decided to make up a Walmart scavenger hunt. So we story. each came up with like 10 items and put them on a list. And then we drove to a 24-hour Walmart. And um, the first person – and we exactly a half an hour. And you had to take a picture on your early camera phone of you doing as many of the things as possible. And then you had to be back at the front by exactly half an hour. And if you were like one second late, you're automatically eliminated. Can we do like a docket version of this? And if you won, you got a dinner immediately at Denny's and the, the person would have to write a Facebook status of like you're writing um, about you and like 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 honoring you. And I won. Okay. I, don't, I can't remember a lot of the things. Did but you have like any of them? Like- yeah. I mean, some of them like classic, like a picture of you trying on a bra. Okay. Um, I remember one funny one that someone else came up with was a picture of the cheapest coffee maker and cheapest coffee maker wins because like if you ever look coffee makers are incredibly cheap yeah yeah so yeah. like like the goal was like you would get, run real fast like, okay this one's ten dollars but like if you look there'd be one that was like 3.99 okay <laughs> you okay. know um and then there was just like a lot of stuff like that like it was indiana so i think one of them was like a picture of you aiming a gun because you can buy guns at walmart uh-huh. um and it was like half like shopping challenges you know like the most expensive frozen food and have kind of like embarrassing challenges, like you like hugging the woman who worked at Walmart. Okay. Um, the people at Walmart did not like us, and we all came up with individual fake stories. So like at one point, we oh, were, so you didn't plan like like no, okay. and we were like run because we I mean we planned out the thing. Once we got there, it was ruthless. Like time started, and I dashed yeah. off to start taking pictures. And then, listen, it's an event. It's like no one there. It's midnight on a Wednesday at Walmart in Indianapolis. So we were pretty noticeable. And and thankfully, I guess it's like white privilege. Nobody felt we were like stealing, you know, or like yeah. a mob. But I remember one guy came up to me and he's like, are you price checking for another store? And I was like, yes. And he was like, okay. 
And like I don't quite totally think, know what that means. Like maybe he thought like, I worked at Target. Yeah. Yeah. And I was trying to like see if like stuff was cheaper, but mm-hmm. like I, I said, just said yes, and he, he let me move on. But also, it's Walmart, like. And then yeah, yeah right. Yeah. I, I know. And then another uh, of my friends said he was doing a school art project, <laughs> which is like a good classic yeah. lie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, and I won. And I had dinner at Denny's, and I don't remember exactly what I made my friend write, but I remember I told him, you have to use the phrase, blow me down, matey. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, somewhere on my early Facebook, there's this thing that says, blow me down, matey, like, you won the Walmart challenge. And it was, without a doubt, one of the funnest nights of my life. Like, I will, I remember so few nights of, like, oh, my God, I got so drunk, and I forgot what happened. I will never not remember how much of a fun time I had doing the Walmart challenge. Okay. Um, and, yes, we can create a docket challenge. I don't know where we would do it, um, the Walmart in South Philly. I don't know. Yeah, I guess we could just do it at another Walmart. Um, but it would also be funny if we did like a Philly like challenge. Oh, like all around the city. Do you remember the one we came up with for the pledges? Um, that I recently found and now I don't know where it is again. But me and you in college came up for one, and it was like a list of things that the pledges had to take pictures in front of. And I, I don't think they like accomplished a lot of them. I remember a lot of those people like so it was like the mayor, like Jameer Nelson. <laughs> um, I remember one was I wanted a picture of a Starbucks across the street from another Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, technically, you can do that in Northern Liberties now. Uh, where? Well, there's a Starbucks at Acme, and if you look out the window, there's a self-standing Starbucks. Yeah, there's a number of Starbucks. There's, like, triple Starbucks. When I lived in Manhattan, there would occasionally be, like, a corner with, like, two regular Starbuckses mm-hmm. and, like, a building that had a Starbucks inside of it. Yeah. I don't really understand. I'm not a businessman, but I don't totally understand like the business model well, you play of these on things. TV? I do play one on TV. Mm-hmm. Like when I lived in Falls Church, Virginia, one time I looked, and there was four McDonald's within a mile of me, mm-hmm. and like three of them were standalone, and one was like in a Target or something. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, why? Like, how is this possibly make business sense? Like, for each of these McDonald's to exist, like, don't they just all take business to each other? Like, yeah. why don't they just build one McDonald's and a fourth one? Four miles away. But also, all those McDonald's are always busy. Well, so in their mind, it's better than being a Wendy's. I guess. Yeah. Is that really what they would think? Some of them. I know... We should call Ray, who went to Haber University, and yes, ask him to explain it to we us. we should. We should. Um, Tom, I went to the movies uh, last Friday. You, I invited you. You didn't want to come. Uh, yeah, I was a little busy. Um, and I saw a movie that I've been waiting for for 20 years. Oh, what's that? I saw Glass. Mm-hmm, uh-huh. um, I remember seeing Unbreakable when I was a kid and being like, wow, that was an absolutely phenomenal movie. Yeah. I think for years I would say it was maybe one of my 10 favorite movies. And I was so excited they finally made a sequel. And it was not very good. Oh, really? Yeah. Have you read any reviews? Uh, I mean, I saw the Rotten Tomatoes score, but I mean, I don't. I try not to go through that. What's the Rotten Tomatoes score? 33. It's not very good. Um, it's cool that any movie, it's always cool when like Philadelphia's in a movie mm-hmm. and I like that a few of the scenes were in Philadelphia, but it's really, it just was not that good. I mean, I now wonder if Unbreakable is in fact all that good. I mean, part of the reason I liked it when I was a kid is one, I liked M. Night and I still kind of ride hard for M. Night. I think he's a good director. He, all right. So, well, here's my thing. You did not see Split. No, but I read the Wikipedia summary. Okay. Same scene. Anyway, Split was actually a really good movie. I know, yeah. I, I got great reviews. Um, but it, I, I feel like the mad, like, he was like, oh my God, he's back, he's back. And then now he's just gone again. I will say this I haven't seen it in years. The Will but, Smith movie. 
Horrible trash. Didn't see it. Signs is a fucking all-time great Yeah, movie. okay, but let's go. Okay, so we... Okay, Sixth Sense. Bingo. Yes, that put him on the map. I ride hard for Sixth Sense. I think it's secretly not that great of a movie. Uh, I think it's really good, man. You got to think about it back in the day. Like, now all these movies have twists and all Here's that shit. Here's my argument. Spoilers for every M. Night Shyamalan movie upcoming. If at the end of The Sixth Sense, Bruce Willis was alive, would you love that movie? Mm, it'd still be kind of creepy. But would you love it? I mean, it wouldn't. We, it still wouldn't be talked about today. Now, if at the end of Unbreakable, Mister Glass didn't like destroy the train, I would like that movie exactly as much as I currently do. Yeah, like the ending's cool, but it doesn't make the movie any better. True. Like I feel like the twist can't make the whole movie. Like I sure. think Signs is like I think Signs is an example of, of a perfect film because it's a great movie to watch all the way through, and it has a twist ending. But also, the twist ending explains the entire movie. So, like, you can't take the twist out of signs. Like, mm-hmm. the twist is the entire film explained. And, like, it's oh, it's so good, man. I love that movie. Swing away, Meryl. Swing away. Um, Glass is... And also, I like Lady in the Water. Oh, I... Trash. I went, again, in Indianapolis at the Circle Center Mall with those same roommates. And I remember halfway through, they, like, turned to me and, like, do you want us to leave? Like, we all hate this, right? And I'm like, no, this movie's great. Like, you guys don't like this? <laughs> And I remember really liking it. I don't know if it would hold up now, but like at the time I saw it, I was like, this is a perfectly fine movie. With the guy with the huge biceps because he Yeah, it's like one, he only works out more. No, he works out one arm. Oh, okay. I think you're thinking of like a comedy skit. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it's not – I mean, it, it does contain M. Night Shyamalan casting himself as a guy who writes a book that changes the world forever. Um, but yeah, Glass sucked. And it sucked in, like, weird ways. Like, it wasn't even just bad. It was odd. Like, it was definitely... Like, sometimes you see a bad movie, like, you know, whatever. Like, just a stupid action movie that you don't like. Like, Gone in 60 Seconds. And you're like, all right, it's a bad movie. They didn't try that hard. It just doesn't really make a lot Mm -hmm. of sense. It it wasn't fun to watch. This was, like, weird. Like, there was a lot of points in the movie. I'm like, why did you do this? You didn't have to make the movie like this. Like... You could probably tell from the trailers that like a lot of it takes place in a psychiatric hospital. Yeah, and I'm like, why is that the choice? Like, no one who wants that. Like, who wants to f- see like Unbreakable is a superhero movie, like Split is like a horror movie, like both of them are about like a superhero and a supervillain like doing different things. Like, who wants to watch a two hour movie where most of the time it takes place with people under medical care? Like, mm-hmm. it's just like it's just like an odd cho- and like it's not very exciting. Like, nothing happens in it. Like, it's not even like oh, so uh, it was kind of trite or boring or predictable. Like. I didn't see any of it coming. It just wasn't fun to watch. Mm-hmm. It was just and strange and odd and like in general, I would just not have watched. I would not have watched the movie. Did you see the Mark Wahlberg one? No, but I read the Wikipedia summary. <laughs> I feel like you just add that into anything. Um, um, yeah, that wasn't good. The ending sucked. Yeah, so like I don't know. Watch it at some point. Like, listen, here's what's great about Glass. It's got three fucking great actors in it. James, I did not see Split, but I actually want to now just because James McAvoy is like such a good actor. Yeah, yeah, he was awesome. That's why he's I like this. so compelling in this role. Like every time he talks, I'm like, it's nuts. Like, why is this does, dude? How is he? Does he play the kid at all? Yeah, he plays the well, kid most the kid. of the time. Yeah. Okay. Oh, the kid's great. The kid's yeah. like a like a, like a dirt bag. Yeah. He's awesome. Um, Do you want the, to see my pictures? Yeah, he's like in this one. He's kind of like he talks about rappers he likes and shit. Well, the first one he loves Kanye. Okay, now he they actually make like several times. He says that he's really into Drake now. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, what a burn because like, they hate each other. He's like two years older, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm like, why is this dude, like, why is Daniel Day-Lewis the best actor in the world? Like, isn't it clearly James McAvoy because he played this role? 
And Samuel Jackson is phenomenal as Mr. Glass, and Bruce Willis is great in everything. Mm-hmm. So it's fun to watch all of them. Um, but it just was not an interesting mm. film. Mm. Uh, I Sad also wonder me. if Unbreakable is that good, or if it was that good, because when I was a kid, I was like, holy shit. That, it's still good. That was a superhero movie, and like they'll never let me have like a real superhero movie. So like, I can't believe, like, M.I. Shaman's a genius. Like, he got to make a comic book movie. Like, wouldn't it be amazing if one day they made four Avengers movies? Can I tell you my one complaint about Unbreakable? Um, that benching 350 pounds isn't that impressive? Well, what? So, I can't believe you got the scene, but that's not where I was going with it. <laughs> okay, sure. What's the scene? <laughs> okay, how do you not know? Like, okay, for instance, yes, that could have been paperweights to him. But how he does, he lifts, and then he's like, Elijah. How much did you put on? I'm like, bro, like, you're not looking at it. Like, did you not see he added more weight on? And th- like, you know, that was like the reveal that like he actually added on more weight plus the paint cans, like, or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a little odd. I agree. Um, like, if I go to lift something, I'm at least gonna take a glance at it to see how much is on the bar. Maybe I didn't calculate it, but at least I can like, kind of gauge. I mean, in his defense, like, he had almost died <laughs> like two days beforehand. So maybe he was, you know, his mind was in other places. Okay. Um, I didn't look it up. I don't know why, because I looked up so much about the movie afterwards. I think the kid is the same kid. Oh, okay. It looks exactly... Like, his son is a character in the movie. Yeah, okay. And he looks exactly the same. Is also, the, I'm really is frustrated... Is the wife Robin Wright? It is, but she's not in it. Okay. Um, at one point in the film, the girl, who's like the main girl in um, Split, is mm-hmm. in high school. Mm-hmm. And she's, like, walking around. And they are showing, like, old composites. You know, like, composite photos. Yeah. And they zoom in on, like, a picture from the 50s on a guy, and the guy's name is John Peebles. And I was like, oh, this must be, like, a deep cut M. Night reference. And I fucking looked all over the internet, and I cannot find it. And now I'm wondering if M. Night really did just, like, randomly zoom in on something for, like, no good reason. Um, but if any of the docketeers out there can tell me who that John Peebles is, I would love to know. Take a look. Do you know, uh, since you didn't see the first one, uh, she gets kidnapped from the King of Prussia Mall? I didn't know that. Yeah, well, you wouldn't because um, they probably didn't put it in this fucking summary. I think that uh, the main – it was a little disappointing because the main um, – uh, the psychiatric hospital I looked up is in Allentown. It's, like, not somewhere nearby. Aww. But actually, like, movie magic, it's really crazy. Like, they, like, the, like, a few times they show, like, the outside of the psychiatric facility and it basically looks like it's in Fairmount Park. Like, it kind of looks like it's where the art museum is because, like, you stand on the front – the front of it, mm-hmm. and you're looking at Center City. And, like, a big plot point of the building is they're building the biggest building in Center City in the history of Philadelphia. It's called the Osaka Building. So there's, like, this big fake building in the skyline. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, but, like, it looked, yeah, basically they, they portray it that it would be somewhere in, like, Roxborough, maybe. Okay. Um, but I do think that Mr. Glass, I do think that the, the Horde's hiding place is by my office. It looked mm. like it. They call it in the film the Factory District. <laughs> Which is, like, not a place that a Philadelphian might know if I was like, Tom, now the factory is there. Why don't we have districts? Um, we do. We've got, like, we're in Fishtown. That's not a di- yeah, but, like, the You want to have, district. like, the, the fish district? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, we can start calling stuff that. Yeah, why don't we start the revolution? Yeah, okay. I, I'm going to tell people I work in the factory district. All right. Which I do. Cool, 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 cool. Um, Tom, is there any other movie news? Well, actually, yeah, there is. What a great segue that is, Jeff. Thanks. It's so natural. Wow. You must you must be a pro at this. I am. Um, as everybody knows, uh, the... What? Wow. Can I interrupt you, Tom? Yeah, please. Um, Did Matt send a picture of his braided hair? No. I just got a text from my friend John. 
Mm-hmm. James Gandolfini's son, Michael Gandolfini, cast as Tony Soprano in Sopranos movie. Well, Jeff, that was yeah. You're kind of beating me to the punch here. Oh, you knew that? Yeah. Do you know that the 20th anniversary of Sopranos was uh, last week? I did know that. <laughs> talked about it a ton on the podcast. Okay, we're gonna. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, are you excited for the new movie? No, not particularly. Why? Because um, ultimately, I didn't like the Sopranos that much, and nothing about what David Chase seems to find interesting about the Sopranos is what I find interesting. You like like the melty parts? No, I like the fucking mob parts. Okay, you don't think it's, it's if it's going to be a two-hour movie, it's going to be a lot of mob. I mean, I hope so. I mean, listen, I'm generally into any mob movie, mm-hmm. um, but I'm not. I don't have a lot of faith in it. No. Mm-hmm. Um, I read an interview with David Chase. Like, I, I don't really like David Chase. Uh, not David, yeah, David Chase. I don't like David Chase very much. I'm in Sopranos. Yeah. Um, because he really seems to be an asshole. Like, I ride hard for art. And I am happy as a clam for artists to be like, this is what my show is about, you know, like it or not. But it truly does seem like David Chase is, like, annoyed at fans and does stuff to annoy them. Like, they were doing a big 20th anniversary article in the New York Times. They interviewed him. And he was like, yeah. He's like, I kept getting... Um, he's like, I would get emails from people that said, like, less yakking, more whacking. And every time they wrote that, I would write more scenes of just people talking into the show. And I was like, well, go fuck yourself very much. Like, it's not like you were like, hey, man, I had an artistic vision, and it wasn't about the mafia. It was about mental health and people's relationships to their mothers. Like, he essentially admitted that, like, he was annoyed that people wanted something out of the show specific, and he intentionally gave them things that they did not want. I mean, yeah, all the dream sequences I could really do without. I secretly don't actually mind those dream sequences. That Like, the, the one where he plays, like, a businessman. Yeah. I, I, like, find that oddly compelling. That was when he was in a coma, and that was, like, half the season he was, like, a businessman. Yeah. I just, I, I, I mean, listen, this is not that interesting of a show for, after season three, I think it really goes off the rails. And especially the Furio storyline, it feels like a real fuck you. Where he just leaves? Yeah, the, like, they keep building up, like, all this season. That like Furio and Carmela are in love, and like maybe they're gonna get together. And there's like that badass scene where Furio calls his friend in Italy, and he's like, "The only way to be with the boss's wife is to kill the boss." And there's that like dope scene where he like yeah. imagines pushing Tony into the helicopter, uh-huh. and then there's this like, an episode where they're like, "And then Furio left, and Carmela's sad." And I was like, "Well, why? Why? Like, wh- like tell me the artistic choice you made to build this up over an entire season." And then have it end, except for you want to be like, oh, isn't this more interesting than them getting into a fight? I'm David Chase. Like, it's so boring and obvious and stupid. And it just makes me so annoyed. Um, I want to get back to the dream sequence real fast. That's when I really knew James Gandolfini was an excellent actor um, when he played the businessman. And I'm like, why is, like, he sound different but not? And then I realized that, like, that, like, like noise he makes with his nose when he talks, like, isn't real. Yeah. Like, he does that for Tony. He's an, inc- he's an incredible actor. Like, he did that all those years. And, like, I just thought that was the way he actually talked. Who is your favorite Soprano character? Ooh. All right. So, like, out of all of them? Or, like, side character, villain? Um, like, what are we doing? Like, like, main character? Yeah, but, like, don't say Tony. No, I'm not going to say Tony. Obviously, that's a cop-out. Okay. Uh, do you know who I secretly loved? Who? Agent Harris. Remind me which one Agent Harris He's was. the FBI agent um, that, like, so he is um, in charge of, like, the, the New Jersey mob. Yeah. But then he gets sent away to, like, anti-terrorism in Iraq. And okay. he comes back and, like, he goes to Satrials for, like, a, like 
not cheesesteaks, but whatever you want to call them, like pastrami sandwiches. And like, he actually like tips off Tony at the end. He's like, Hey, the New York mob is coming after you because he's like, that's not his case anymore. So he can still like kind of socializes with them a little bit. Yeah. Um, I liked him, but that's, you know, not a fun character. Um, I love Pauly. Pauly was so great. I like Pauly too until he killed an old lady. And I can never not, I can never like unthink about that. <laughs> like I actually thought about rewatching The Sopranos, but I was like, before I watched, I would have to look up what episode he kills that old woman in to make sure I didn't see it again. Cause that like really upset me. Yeah. Um, I always liked Silvio. Silvio was a lot of Silvio fun. Silvio Dante. Silvio Dante. Cause I especially liked that he was just like into being a mobster. Like, I like that he had, like, there was nothing to his character. He was just kind of there. He ran the bada bing. He killed Adriana in that one episode. Yeah, he did. Um, he was a good character. I was, I was always... No, a, he killed... Um, Christopher's girlfriend, Adriana. Yeah, no, no, I know. But I'm saying the, he killed a capo in, like, the first season with the uh, uh, the wire. Um, who... Do you remember Mikey Palmisi? Yes. Yeah. Mikey Palmisi. They, they shoot he, him in the woods. Yeah, he was, he's like, going Uncle for Junior's. a jog. Uncle Junior's yeah, like consigliere. Like yeah, yep. I love Mikey Palmisi. Season one was really good, man. Season one was great. Does I don't think that happens in season one, though. It's the season one finale. I Is it? Okay. Yeah. I remember seasons one through three very, um, very clearly because they were um, really good. One of my favorite lines, and I love this one. So it's um, from, do you remember Brendan Flone? I love, I do remember Brendan Flone. He was one of Christopher's like, cronies. Yeah. So, um, so they're in, they're in the back of uh, Satriales and, um, they're talking and Brendan's there and I forget what exactly happens, but uh, they, oh, they robbed the truck, but it wasn't, it was actually uncle junior's truck or whatever. And now they have to pay restitution to junior and Tony's yelling at Christopher and uh, he goes, well, that like, that's what the rule is. And Brendan chimes in because um, Jackie uh, is Jackie senior. Well, yeah, Jackie senior is like on his deathbed. So he, yeah, yeah. He's, he's the godfather. And you mean he's the, the head of the mob, yeah, but he's in the he's in the hospital. Yeah, but he's still like in charge at the time. I understand, but Brendan chimes in. He goes, "Come on, Tony. Everyone knows you run the shots since Jackie's a little kimosabi." <laughs> <laughs> and then he picks him up like Jazzy Jeff and throws yeah. him out the room. <laughs> Who was the character that Robert Loja played? I remember Who's being that? really excited. Robert Loja, he plays the um, owner. He plays the owner of the toy company in Big. No, he's not the owner. He's he's like Tom Hanks' nemesis. No, 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 no. That's his the, the owner took him, the guy who play, he plays on the giant keyboard with. That's Robert Loja. Oh, oh! I remember yes, the, I know the, the season who Steve Buscemi comes in, Robert Loja also comes in. He plays a mobster who was he'd been in jail for like 30 years. Yeah. And he always calls Tony Godfather. <laughs> it's uh um is it uh Fetch. Fetch, Fetch. Montana. <laughs> Fetch Montana, yeah. yeah. Good, good memory, man. Thank you. Yeah, that guy was like he was a cool character. Like Cool characters like him never last. And then they, well, uh, Tony, Tony sent him back to jail because he just annoyed with him. Yeah, he's like, he's because he's off. like all like the old school is like shut up. Um, no, the the guy I thought you were talking about was the father from Home Alone. The father from Home Alone, and he's also in Big. That's why I was like, what? oh yeah, was yeah. he on The Sopranos? Yeah, who was he? He was the uh, detective on the take. That was like Tony's inside man. Oh yeah, and he beat him with a belt. Yeah, because he had sex with his guma. <laughs> Dude, we should watch the Sopranos. Yeah. That was great. Um, I tried to watch The Godfather on the weekend. It's okay. not streaming anywhere. Um, I just watched it. It's are you sure it's on? It's 100 percent Netflix. I just watched it's it like two weeks ago. January first went off. Oh, I hate when that shit happens. That's why when I see something on Netflix, I'm like, I don't know when. Like, when's my deadline? Like, I have to watch it now. I hate that shit. Um, let me tell you a fun fact about The Godfather mm-hmm. that I learned recently. 
So obviously we all know about The Incredible Life of John Cazale. Sure. The um, best movie actor no one knows. Correct. Well, I think people know him, but like the ultimate streak. But the docket, like, us, we, we, we root hard for John. Yeah, but like the ultimate streak of five movies, five Oscars. Yeah. Um, do you know about the person? Do you know about the person of Richard Castellano? Who's that? Um, Richard Castellano plays Clemenza. Oh yeah. So Richard Castellano. Let me tell you about the life of Richard Castellano. Okay. Clemenza. In 1972, he was in a movie called Lovers and Other Strangers, and he was nominated for a Best Supporting Actor Oscar. Two years later, he was in The Godfather, and he played one of the greatest roles in uh, in film history. He played Clemenza, like a key role in one of the greatest movies of all time. Then he didn't do anything for eight years. Then he made three flops and he died. <laughs> <laughs> isn't that like a is that like a mini John Cazale run? That is. Like the dude had two, was in two movies, both of them fucking rocked, and then he stopped making movies. Um, um, wait, can I? Oh, can I ask you something? And he was also, do you know why he wasn't in Godfather Two? Why he fought with Francis Ford Coppola because he said that he should be. So there's actually two competing stories. So the character, I always forget the name of the character they replaced Clemenza with. In Godfather 2. There's a character that's exactly Clemenza. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously Clemenza is in the film as young Clemenza. Um, played by uh, Bruno Kirby. Which is where I was going to get at. Oh, man. One of my all-time favorite scenes. I think my favorite single scene in movie history. Um, not like the scene, the way it's acted, but the way it looks. Is um, young Clemenza uh, standing rug. next to the door yeah. with the gun. Yeah, yeah. Like I've actually always wanted to get that, like a picture of that framed. Like, I, I just exactly love the way that about. looks. That's when they're stealing the, the rug. Yeah, it's when whatever. they go to steal the rug. It's yeah. okay. It's supposed to go get it. Um, um, so, and I didn't realize this till like later in life, obviously. But um, Frank Pantangeli is the character. Yes, Pantangeli. Yeah, and remember, Pantangeli's a traitor. Mm-hmm. So the two stories is one. Um, Castellano said that he wanted to write all Clemenza's dialogue himself. Um, and two is he's like, I won't play a traitor. He's like, Clemenza would never betray the Godfather. <laughs> that's dope. That's that dope. is actually, I hope it's that. Like, yeah. That's actually pretty ball. He's not some bougie actor. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Kirby is uh, one of the best friends in City Slickers. Of course he is. Um, City Slickers 2, he's not in it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. He's replaced by the lovable older brother, um, John Lovitz. Okay. John Lovitz, one of the things he does throughout the movie is he is he recites Godfather lines throughout the movie. Oh, interesting. And he does a few Clemenza lines. Oh, interesting. And I always wonder if that was like a shot or like a callback to Kirby. Oh, interesting. I yeah. think Bruno Kirby died. He No, he did die. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember him in When Harry Met Sally? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, Billy Crystal. Do you remember Clemenza's tip for making meatballs for 20 guys? He has a few tips. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what? Uh, I forget what is it. Yeah, put some sugar in the sauce. That's it. Yes. Uh, and you got to cook the meatballs before you put them into the sauce. So you got to cook all the meatballs up and then put them into the sauce mm-hmm. if you're going to the mattresses. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, Tom, speaking of movies that won Best Picture. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow, I totally got off that subject. So, yeah. So, um, today the uh, the Oscar noms came out. Okay. So, I thought, what, well, I thought we could uh, run through it a little bit. All right, we'll see like what we've seen, talk about them. Yeah, yeah, the whole nine. All right, first things first. I pop up freaks all the honeys. Um, Playboy bunnies, girls about money. There's a like Nathan for penetration. Um, Stars Born. I have not seen it. Uh, I actually really wanted to. It was just one of those, as you know, a Yurkin rule is if you don't see the movie, the in the first two days it comes out, you either never see it or see it like a year later. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't able to go the first weekend. 
So I'm in a relationship, as you know. I'm married. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the things that I struggle with is sometimes my girlfriend will say, oh, like, I really want to go see this movie. And then I'll be like, hey, do you want to go see the movie? And she'll be like, oh, no, like, not tonight, maybe later. Mm-hmm. And then, like, later never comes. And then, like, it's two weeks later. And I'm like, oh, like, no, I don't want to see that. Mm-hmm. So, like, I would have seen the Star Wars one opening weekend, but I didn't. So, it's Molly. So, Molly will never listen to the docket she's revealed. Um, so, she'll <laughs> never find out <laughs> that I said this. Um, but, yeah, I didn't see it. It looked cool. It got good reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm there for it. Number two, Black Klansman. Hey, we saw that together. We did see it together, Jeff. Yeah. Um, I like Black Klansman. I like Spike mm-hmm. Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, I totally think that should have gotten nominated. That was a really dope movie. Um, and I'd love to know if they nominated either of the main actors. I think both uh, the guy who's on um, Ballers, that's El Sun, mm-hmm. could have been nominated. And I also thought Adam Driver could have gotten nominated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll have to stay tuned. For sure. Um, Black Panther. Uh, extremely exciting. The yeah. first superhero movie to be nominated. Um, listen, one of the best movies I saw all year. Yeah. Uh, definitely deserves to be nominated. And, like, we didn't have the docket at the time to talk about this, but... I've been going to the movies. I've seen basically every big movie that's come out in the last 30 years. Like, since I've been, you know, I see a ton of movies and I see everything in the theater. I've truly never seen anything like the experience of seeing Black Panther in the theater. Like, it took me two tries to see that movie. Like, the first night, I remember I was in LA and I went to go see Black Panther and I could not park in the movie theater a lot. And it was Los Angeles, so it's not like you can, like, go like you have to if you're in the lottery you're not going didn't, didn't you want to go see it in like Compton or something yeah I went to see it in like Compton <laughs> nice um, and it was like not like a small lot like, it was like a five story structure and I drove around I bought a ticket and like online and I went around and around and around and I like literally went like 15 minutes till the movie started and I was like I, I guess I can't go like, I literally can't get in I've never I saw Star Wars opening night I've seen everything nothing was like that and the second time I went it was basically the same like I just went three hours early like, <laughs> I was out there for work and then like a two o'clock meeting. Oh no, I tried to see it three times. And the second time I went, I tried to go see it at the hotel. It was NBA All-Star Weekend. And there's a movie theater attached to the Sable Center where the Lakers play. And it's also directly next to the hotel where all the players stay. And I was like, I'm gonna go see it at that movie theater during All-Star Weekend. Cause like maybe like LeBron and James Harden will wanna go see Black Panther. And they'll be like, oh, it's next door. And once again, I could not park. <laughs> like I bought a ticket to the movie. And and downtown LA has a lot of pay parking lots. I couldn't find a pay lot because of NBA All-Star Weekend and that. Finally, the third time I did see the movie. But all that is to say, it was like a truly unbelievable movie-going experience. Um, but before you move on... I wasn't. I wanted to say something. Okay, go ahead. No, what my favorite memory in recent times is... Well, if you remember Black Panther, the title, uh, doesn't come till a good like 20 minutes into the movie. Uh-huh. So I went with uh, Matt. <laughs> and I said, Matt, like I know my Marvel movies. I'll get like the food and stuff if you want to go sit down. He goes, no, nah, don't worry about it. So Matt comes with like all the popcorn and stuff, and as he sits down, the title goes, and I hear him whisper, "Oh, good, I didn't miss anything." <laughs> and I didn't have the heart to tell him that, like he totally missed like the first twenty minutes. Oh man! But what were you gonna say? Do you agree that this should not have been the first superhero movie nominated? I think Civil War was a fantastic. Not Civil War. Um, what was the second Captain America? Oh, uh, that movie is fucking overrated. Winter Soldier. Thank you. That movie was such like an example of like people like mindlessly repeating things they were told. Like I remember when that movie came out, everybody's like, "This is a smart movie. It's like a '70s thriller." And then a- after I saw it, everybody I met was like, "Didn't you like it? Didn't it remind you of '70s thrillers at like the Parallax View?" And I was like, "Wow, we've really all been brainwashed by the fucking Hollywood publicity guy who was like, we're gonna market Winter Soldier as like a '70s political thriller." 
What movie, what comic book movie do you think should have been nominated? Uh, the Dark Knight, certainly. It did. It did get nominated for uh, But he won uh, Best Supporting Actor. Yeah. Though. Dark Knight was a Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'll go with that. Um, I don't know if I'd still say it, but the year it came out, The Avengers. I fucking thought, mm. I was like, there's no better movie I saw this year. Yeah. Um, Superman the movie should have gotten nominated no, for Best Picture. Out here with Superman. The first Superman it was in a phenomenal film, and it was oh, the first like you talking about in the seventies. Yeah. Okay. Superman, not Superman Returns with Brandon Routh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is a good movie. Superman the movie from like seventy seven. That actor is he still around? He remember he got paralyzed in the horse accident. What? Oh, Brandon Routh. Yeah. Yeah, he's on one of the CW superhero shows I like. Oh, okay. He plays like a shitty superhero. Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, Superman the movie is incredible, you know, you'll believe the man can fly. I think there's at least six superhero movies good enough to have been nominated for Best Picture before Black Panther. But I'm happy that something got nominated. Cool. I don't think it'll win. Um, well, whatchamacallit, I think Killmonger is the best villain since the Joker. He was great. Oh, fucking awesome. Um, Bohemian Rhapsody. Didn't see it. Mm-hmm. Got bad reviews. Not interested. Uh, didn't see it. Really want to. Heard good reviews. Oh, I heard nothing bad reviews. We do. The favorite. Uh, didn't see it. Want to? Heard it was good. Is that the one with uh, like the the girls trying to be the queen? Yeah. Okay. Um. Oh, movie starring our favorite actor, Mahershala Ali. Uh huh. Did I say it right? Yeah, I believe Mahershala. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, which we'll get into later. But uh, well, we'll get into True Detective later. Yeah. But, uh, the Green Book. <laughs> the, our Green Book podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, Vigo Morganson really nailed this one part. I heard it was absolute garbage. Oh, really? I heard it was a really bad movie, just like really dumb and obvious and kind of boring. And also, have you heard a lot of complaints from the family? Yeah, the family did not like how he was portrayed. Well, and also the family were like, FYI, this dude worked for our dad. Like, they were not friends. Like, he, my dad paid this guy. <laughs> like, like, don't portray it like they had some improbable, like, lovely friendship. Like, my dad had to go to the racist South. It sucked. So, like, he paid a white gangster to protect him. Like, it's not a fun story. <laughs> um, Roma? I haven't seen it. Um, I heard it's very problematic politically. I don't know what that means. That's what people told me. It's black and white. I feel like it has Yerkin written all over it. I'll watch it eventually. It's on Netflix. I mean, I'll watch any best picture I can see for well, free. Well, who knows how long we'll be on there for. Um, Vice? Oh, I really want to see it. Um, it got bad reviews, and then um, I listened to Adam McKay on Bill Simmons' podcast. And he was like, he's like, you know, he's like, I heard bad reviews too. He's like, this is what people said. This is why I made the movie. This is why I think it's good. And I'm like, fuck, man, it sounds great. Like, I, I want to see the movie a lot. Like, one I like Adam McKay. He's a temple alum. Can you name me a different director that can do such a range of like dramas, like The Big Short and Vice, and then also do Step Brothers um, and Talladega Nights and Anchorman? I mean, probably if I thought about it, but not off the top of my head, he's extremely talented. Yeah. Um, the I only one I can think of is uh, who did um, uh, Old School. Oh, I don't remember that guy's name. Todd Phillips? Yeah, and he, he did Road Trip. Movie. Well, he's doing the new uh, Joker movie. At least it's different. Yeah, but that's not like about Vice President, the life of Vice President Dick Cheney. True, true, true. Um, one, I'm into it, and two, like, I, once again, like, Kristen Bale might be, now Daniel Day Lewis is retired, he's got to be like the best actor of all time. He's like, that bad. motherfucker just looks like Dick Cheney, exactly. And like, he gained the weight. Yeah. Um, I also love Sam Rockwell. I think Sam Rockwell's a really good actor. Oh, he plays W? He plays W, yeah. Okay. So okay. I'm very excited to see that when I can. Well, let's see if they uh, they got kudos for nominations. Um, director, I'll just let's run through these real it. fast. Um, Roma, The Favorite, Black Klansman, Vice, and Cold War. 
so something different. Just do your best actor. But... Yeah, I, I, I'll do it. Okay, sorry, you're the host. <laughs> um, actor, Christian Bale for Vice. Great. Bradley Cooper for Star is Born. Excellent. William Defoe, Eternity's Willem. Gate. Willem. Oh, I never realized that. Um, what, I never heard of that movie. Uh, I heard about it. I don't really remember what it's about. Um, he's the um, actor, Rami cool. Malek, Bohemian Rhapsody. Willem Defoe's best uh, best role will have ever be uh, Green Goblin. No. He's also the star of Clear and Present Danger, which you really want to see. Um, no, William Def- Willem, Willem. Willem Defoe's best role will forever be Boondock Saints. Oh, I never liked that movie. Oh, uh, where he weirdly dresses up as a woman to get into the party. Like, he doesn't even have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Viggo Morganson, Green Book. Okay. So, I want to also know is... All right, we'll, we'll just skip down a little bit to supporting role. Whereas Mahershala is in for supporting role and okay. Vigo is in for main role, but whatever. I don't. I didn't see the movie, but I thought Mahershala was. Those the main things character. are kind of like notoriously weird, you know. Like Anthony Hopkins won a Best Actor nomination for the role of Adam Lecter. He's in the movie for fourteen minutes. Yeah, like those. There's always a bit of controversy around like what makes a Best Actor. Best actor. Um, actress, somebody I can't pronounce for Roma. Glenn Close, the wife. Never heard of it. Um, Olivia Coleman, don't know who that is for the favorite. Lady Gaga, Stars Born. Melissa McCarthy, can you ever forgive me? Uh-huh. Uh, that's like the plagiarism one, right? Yeah. Uh, supporting role Mahershala for Green Book, Adam Driver for Black Klansman. Dope. Uh, Sam Elliott, A Star is Born. Oh, I hope he wins just strictly for Roadhouse. Um, <laughs> what's the character? What's his name in Roadhouse? Oh fuck, I forget. What's Tom? What's I don't wow, man. Roadhouse is one of my favorite movies. I can't think of anybody's name. So wait, what's Swayze's name in Roadhouse? Oh my god, um, Dalton. Dalton, yes. And what's Dalton's mentor's name? That's that's um, Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott, dude. What a fucking great movie Roadhouse is. I adore that. Right now, no looking it up. How much money does Dalton get paid? Oh shit, it's uh, was it like three hundred dollars a night? I forget how much it is. Wait, first of all, Wade Garrett. Wade Garrett, yes. Five thousand up front, five hundred a night. You pay on medical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are certain things that are just seared into my mind. How much Dalton gets paid will always be one of them. Um, Sam Rockwell for Vice, uh, supporting actress Amy Adams in Vice, Regina King. If Beale Street could talk. Uh huh. Based on the the Baldwin book. Baldwin, like... James Baldwin, the famous author and activist. No. Yeah, no you should learn about James Baldwin. Okay. Uh, Emma Stone, the favorite. Okay. Marina as someone for Roma, and Rachel Weiss for the favorite. Cool. Um, can, I tell you a, can I tell you a real travesty this year? Yeah. Um, two of the best documentaries I've ever seen in my entire life about this year. One of them to get nominated for the What? Uh, I'll go to him with documentaries. I mean, I can just tell you. A um, Night in the Garden, Black Sheep, Endgame, Lifeboat, period. End of sentence. No, I think those are documentary shorts. Um, we're talking about documentary features. Sorry. What is it? Uh, well, Free Solo got nominated, which is fucking incredible. If you haven't seen it yet, you know about Free Solo, mm-hmm. right? Um, one of the best films I've ever seen. One of the coolest things like anybody's ever done. Um, Won't You Be My Neighbor? The Mr. Rogers film. Didn't get nominated. Oh. And like, people love that movie. Like, it was a huge hit for a documentary. Mm-hmm. And also, Mr. Rogers is the greatest human being that ever lived. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was shocked and appalled at uh, speak, Both shocked and appalled. Speaking of uh, documentaries, I haven't seen it yet, but uh, the documentary, I think it's Fire. Oh, I want to watch it. There's I, two of them. There's one on Hulu, one on Netflix. 
Are they both the same? No, they're like competing fire documentaries. Oh, that's dope. It's like when every network made a movie about... Um, about Armageddon, or it was like Armageddon Deep Impact were the same movie. Oh, well, Armageddon, well that's another classic that happens. Like yeah. Armageddon Deep Impacts. There, remember there was two Columbus movies? Yes. Um, and there was another movie that came out when the you know, Tombstone came out that was like about... Tombstone and, out, uh, and uh, Unforgiven. No, Unforgiven was a totally different movie. There was Tombstone and Wyatt Earp. Oh yeah, which is yeah, also yeah, about yeah, like, yeah. the same story. Yeah. Unforgiven is a great Clint movie. Um, now remember when who did Joey Budfuko have sex with and killed his wife? Lorena Bobbitt. No, Lorena Bobbitt cut a dick off. Joey Budfuko, Amy Fisher. Oh yeah, yeah. Remember when they made three different Amy Fisher TV movies? Mm-hmm. And one of them had Alyssa Milano in it. Yes. The uh, Long Island Lolita. Um, they're making a Lorena Bobbitt movie or um, a documentary or something. Cool. I'll watch that. Um, so I I just wanted to go down to. Um, documentary short, original score. Um, oh, did Kendrick get nominated for? He did, man. That's why. That's why I wanted to go pumped? to. You I'm really pumped. Yeah. I like that. So he has it for song and album, and so he did the whole Black Panther album. Okay. And uh, all the stars love that tune. People would think that we were like homeless if they were watching this podcast be done. So we're both freezing and we're wearing like coats and hats. Well, we're I'm sitting, just wearing a sweatshirt. We're sitting in your apartment. Yeah. Um, you know, I really go back and forth on how I feel with the Oscars. I find them to be kind of stupid for the most part. Uh, let me tell you the greatest Oscars. Like they're already ever. rich people. Why do we need to give them more claim than they already have? No, just like they fucking don't reflect what's good half the years. Like. They're not a reflection of the the actual best picture. They're a reflection of some like weird people's choice. Like, do you remember a couple years ago the artist won that silent movie? Like, nobody fucking remembers that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite year ever, though, the only year the Oscars got it right, uh, probably ninety eight or ninety nine, when Shakespeare in Love won, which is a movie I loved. Wait, wait, don't tell me. Didn't it win over Private Ryan? It did win over Private Ryan, and I was extremely excited about that because I fucking Saving Private Ryan was dope. I fucking hated Saving Private Ryan. I I almost walked out of the theater. Why? I thought it was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Um, one, it's fucking boring. Was it? It's a, was it Ted Danson's role or Paul Giamatti's that did it for you? Is Ted Danson in that movie? Ted Danson is. No, in he's movie. not. Yes, he is. Um, one, it's a stupid fucking movie. The first twenty five minutes are excellent. It's super cool watching D Day. After that, it really doesn't make any sense like one the plot really doesn't make any sense that do all this stuff to get this one guy it's not an interesting movie it's not fun and like the message of the movie is really fucked up like if you remember Giovanni Urbisi who was in every movie back then mm-hmm. um, like there's a scene where like he captures like the German guy and he's like unarmed and he's like and all the guys are like well, let's just murder this dude and he's like no he's like let's take him as prisoner and they all kind of like you're an idiot and then later on like that guy comes back and Giovanni Urbisi like does murder him and, like, it's kind of, like, a positive moment. They're like, see, like, Steve became a man. Like, he murdered this guy. So you're, you're wrong. I'm not wrong. I remember the film very well. Um, can I can I actually tell you what happened? Sure. Um, that guy comes back yeah, and he kill- murders Upham. Yeah, I remember. And then Do you remember who Upham is? I don't remember who Upham is. Upham, Upham is the weird scientist from Lost. Um, but then Giovanni BC kills that guy. No, Giovanni BC's already been dead by then. No, Giovanni BC survives the film. I'm sure of that. First of all, just me explaining it to you, 
don't you know for sure that is the dumb shit Steven Spielberg would do? Like, make sure your boundary BC, the guy who wanted to spare the guy, be the guy who later has to kill the guy? Actually, no, it's Upham. Upham's the one that wants to see Upham is the guy. Upham is Giovanni Ribisi's character. No, he's not. Giovanni Ribisi is the medic. Upham is the linguist. Yeah. That's Giovanni Ribisi. What? Giovanni Ribisi is the linguist. No, he's not. Giovanni Ribisi is the medic. I'm telling you right now. Giovanni Ribisi plays Upham in the film. No, he doesn't. Well, let's use a computer we all have in our pocket to look it up. Um, God, I'll wait for you to tell me I'm right. How many do you want to be right? I, I know I'm right. Uh, I think you're probably wrong. TB, TBH. Oh, Vin Diesel. You were great in that film. Oh, I forgot about Vin Diesel. Oh, man, I was wrong. It was He, he played T4 Wade. I'm sorry, say it again? He, he, I was wrong. He plays T4 Medic Wade. Mm-hmm. Um, either way. Oh, wow. Ted Danson was in that film. Um, the message of the story was like they should have killed some guy. And I thought it was a stupid fucking movie and I hated it. And I find patriotism to be boring and trite. Um, and I did not fucking care for that film one bit. And Chase in Love was a delightful movie. Chase in Love was super fun to watch. Nobody who saw Chase in Love didn't like that movie. And I was so pleased that the Oscars chose that to win over that boring, stupid movie. Well, I liked Saving Private Ryan. Have you seen Chase in Love? No. It's fucking excellent. Yeah, well, I chose, I chose the cup wisely. Uh, <laughs> Save Private Ryan was a carpenter. Um, Tom, you've got some cool um, coasters. Do you want me to do the reveal for you instead of just... No, I want to do it. Okay. Uh, and they're Nintendo games. Yeah. I actually got really excited when I saw them because I was like, oh, is each one different? And I was excited to go through. So they're little Nintendo games and I'm going to look through them. We're going to talk about them. So mm-hmm. The first one's Legend of Zelda. Great game. Fucking the best. What's your favorite item? Uh, the sword that like shoots ice. Oh, like the white sword? Yeah. Um, I know it doesn't actually do that much, but I always like the raft. Oh. I always felt very powerful when I had the raft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also, Boomerang's cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm so excited. What's the next game going to be? Excite Bike! Yeah. I loved Excite Bike. I loved making my own um, courses. Mm-hmm. I'd always put lots of jumps in. Um, I think if I play this now, it'd probably be really boring. I'd just be like, try to make it like, like, like yeah. the course makes sense. Um, I remember, remember when they used to have these little things like, programmable series like they used to have these little things that like like there won't be like action series like oh yeah yeah so yeah, yeah. Bike. um donkey kong wonderful game see this one is arcade series oh i see um i love the original donkey kong i am so good at this game and also look at the interesting uh miscolored mario he's blue oh yeah it's and almost also, like he has a flower He's also drawn in the style of Mario from Super Mario Brothers and not the way that he looks in the game, which mm-hmm. is as the villain. Um, Duck Hunt. Do you remember, also see, like on series, um, do you remember as a kid the rumor that you could shoot the dog? Yeah. I actually remember like one of the first things I did when I got the internet in 1997 was like <laughs> go to like Alta Vista or Ask Jeeves. was like, can you shoot the duck? Ask Jeeves. <laughs> and somebody was like, I took the game apart and like looked at every single one. Like, you went into Netscape. And like, you cannot shoot the dog. Mario Brothers, classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you ever played the game all the way through? Like not use the warp zones? No. Never. Always use you the warp zones. You have to be an asshole not to use the yeah. warp zones. Super Mario Brothers 2. I love this game. A lot of people don't like Super Mario Brothers 2. I think it's really good. Um, do you know the secret history of Super Mario Brothers 2? I think we talked about that before. Okay. Um, Super Mario Brothers 3. My favorite. We've talked about this. I, I hate this love game. It. It's stupid. Um, and Metroid, which is the adventure series. I love Metroid. I remember like finding out that Metroid was a woman, and I was like, I, I just don't understand. Remember what a big reveal it was that Samus Aran it was a woman? Yeah. Like, it's not at all that interesting now, but I remember like at the time, they were like, that was like Bruce Willis being dead. 
Do you remember the secret code to get all the gear right at the beginning? No. Justin Bailey. Justin Bailey. I don't yeah, remember man. that. Um, bet, I wish we had Mega Man. I love, I love Mega, Mega Man. Man. Mega Man was a great game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Tom, are those notes related to uh, our final segment or something else you want to bring up? No, it's about our final segment that I'm about to bring up. Uh, do you want to introduce it? Mm-hmm. Do you want to introduce the final segment? Yeah. Okay, cool. Go for it. Okay. Well, I thought uh, we'd do a little uh, Bro Detective. I'm sorry. I think the segment is called True Protective. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I love True Detective this season. Mm-hmm. I think it is phenomenal. I think it's back. And uh, we've seen three episodes so far, and I've really liked all of them. I would say that three had a few things that I didn't love that much, but in general, I thought it was beyond phenomenal. So what do you like about it so far? Um, I love Mahershal Ali, mm-hmm. and I was very critical. I remember uh, thinking that they needed to cast like, a huge actor to be in this film. Um, and Cottonmouth I mean, wasn't good enough? I mean, he's, he's, I, I was like, they should get Liam Neeson, you know? Like, uh, I think he's phenomenal. Like, it's just crazy how good of an actor he is. Like, he is so good in each of the scenes, each of the three time timelines. Like, he does a good job of playing, like, a young guy, good job playing, like, a, another guy, and good job playing an old man, like, amazing job playing an old man. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I find it weird when he's in the scenes with like his son in like the present time. I'm like, those guys are probably the same age. Yeah, I know it is yeah. kind of weird, but like I, you don't yeah. think that, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and like when he's making his recordings of like what's going on, I'm like, damn man, this guy can really act. Yeah, he is a very good actor. I'll give him so, that. So I like that. I like that the story is clear and easy to follow. Like I really don't know what the fuck Two Detective season one was about. Like I, I mean, I know it was about the Yellow King, Carcosa, like girls getting killed, but like episode to episode, like I don't remember why they had to go infiltrate like yeah. a, a biker rally, yeah. you know? Like at the end, like the murder is clear, and I like that at the end of the episode, I know the name of every character, mm-hmm. and like that's actually pretty hard to do. Like at the end of episode one, I was like, I know who everybody is, I know what they're doing, I know what the murder is, I know I can try and follow it and make guesses about who it is. Like it's a very clear, straightforward story, and I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's just dive into episode three a little bit. Okay. Okay. So um, obviously the the ending of episode two is him kind of in the middle of the street. He doesn't know how he got there and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Now, do we agree because they showed that street sign so much that it's going to mean something at some point? No, I think they were just showing you where he was. Like I think but he even said though, he's like, why did I go there? But we know why he went there because it was, it was where the house was. Oh, I just, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, which house? Attention. That's the house where the kids lived. Oh, because in, earlier in the episode, I don't remember the name of the street, but they're like, "Oh, like you got to go to Johnson Street," and then at the end, he's at the the, the sign. It's Johnson Street. Okay, he went to the house where the kids where the kids lived. Gotcha. Kids okay. Okay. Um, Here's something I didn't notice until I read it online. Did you catch the peephole? Yeah. Okay, I somehow missed that. Yes, the peephole is in the first episode, and we find out that it's the cousin that most likely drove yeah. it. I mean most likely we're led to believe it, but it's not actually said yet. Um so yeah, so episode three. So it shows that um in the old timeline then he or excuse me and then when he's old timeline, I also call it the present. So the present timeline and then he goes to the doctor and they dive more into memory loss. He says, Dad, you know, how about when I took you home? And he's like, Yeah, I remember he's like, I didn't take you home. Yeah. yeah. Which is a mean trick to do on it your father. A mean thing to do, yeah. Um But, but I like how the I like how he's just like, I'll kill myself. Like, he has such a trump card, you know? Yeah. Um, So then it starts off in the middle timeline in 1990. Him and the uh, wife are staking out the Walgreens where they find out that there was Prince. Uh Um, So then she says, listen, this is getting boring. Why don't we go get drunk and fuck? 
Yeah. Which is such a dope alternate thing to be doing instead of sitting in front of a Walgreens. Yeah, it was one of those things where like sometimes in TV I don't understand what people are doing. Where like he's like, boy, that'd be great. And then they just kind of like talk. And I'm like, I don't know. Somebody said it to me. I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, screw like, this. Okay. Screw like, this Walgreens. Yeah, let's go to the liquor store. Like, like yeah, like we will do that, you yeah. know? Yeah. <laughs> but like he just kind of like moves on and like they don't really get more into like having sex in a motel room. Mm-hmm. Um, so then in the, uh, the 1980s timeline, uh, they start going back because it sounds like they hit a brick wall. Mm-hmm. So they start going back to re canvas the case and uh, they find out. Um, something that like we as viewers could have figured out, but I guess we didn't, that uh, the kids were lying and they weren't actually playing with their friend. If you remember correctly. I do remember correctly and I found that to be extremely interesting. Yes, yeah, I do too. And there's the whole thing about the brown sedan and the black couple and the black and white, the black man with a scar on his face with a white woman. Mm-hmm. And they keep bringing up that there's a nice brown sedan and that's also what the farmer tells them. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the mystery of like why they didn't. So like for some reason... There's a mysterious car with a black man in a scar and a white woman that have been like around the case that we need to find out more about. Um, yes. So, oh, also, and we've now eliminated the pedophile from our, our list of uh, suspects. Uh-huh. Um, and that's in episode two, I believe, too. So going back for a second, which I did have a question. And I think I talked to you about this before. But so he had this pedophile had to go in there to the, the porn store and mm-hmm. ask for like kid porn basically yeah. right so that's what they did pre-internet like can you imagine the stuff today that you know if we didn't have the internet like guys would be like excuse me like do you have like cake farts like <laughs> <laughs> no because they wouldn't even know about it because remember yeah, like you know, yeah, when true. we first were getting porn like when you would go buy like a porn video from like a gas station and they would have like four of them and you buy one and sometimes they'd have like an anal scene and you'd be like holy shit this is incredible mm-hmm. is it anal before like now, like I'm porno. It's like such bizarre things. You couldn't even possibly imagine. Like I would never have like gone to like the one dirty bookstore in town and been like, do you have one where, where like they sucks on shoes? Yeah. Or like, do you have one where like a guy pretends to be an agent, but he's not really an agent, you know, <laughs> like he says it's a job and the guy, like, you know, you um, were just like excited to see anal. I found, I found that so weird. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was excited to see anal. Um, so then in the, Second storyline, it goes back, and the wife now goes to seduce um, the cops. She didn't go to seduce them, but yeah. Yes, she did. No, she stopped fucking them. She went to use Sed- Seduce? I didn't say fuck. That's what seducing means. No, seduces. She she specifically went to get hit on, so yeah, she would get more information. Seducing. Well, okay, okay whatever. Um, meanwhile, uh, Mahershala is at Walmart. Mm-hmm. Uh, very tense scene. Yeah, very tense scene. Let me ask you a quick question because I was just – these are the things that randomly popped through my head. So he was going to pick toilet paper but he decided against another one. Yeah. Do you ever have that? I really – I'm not like a big – I just go for kind of the cheapest one. Like um, I don't know if he was going for comfort or if he was going for like cost effectiveness. But like he really – it was a really intense like at first he's looking, which by I, the way, you know something was happening. Like he was looking at the toilet paper way too long. I don't know. I mean, generally, I too, the only things I factor when I buy toilet paper is how much I'm going to buy. Like, it's one of those times where I'm going to buy enough for like a month or from like a four pack. Mm-hmm. And uh, usually the cheapest one or like second to cheapest one. But are you, bl- are you buying um, like the, the most expensive like Fluff or Charmin or something like that? Like, no, no, like, no I'm buying a Target brand. Yeah. I will say in his defense, sometimes I do get caught in like the loop of being like, well, what is the difference? <laughs> yeah. You know, and, like I'll sit there and like look at like two things of Ziploc bags. Yeah. And be like, well, this has like freshening technology. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
So like, I, I could see that he might look at them, that he might have been like, oh, I don't know. Like, uh, how many ply do I need? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I was very proud of myself, my geek cred, that I instantly recognized that the dice he found were Dungeons & Dragons dice. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. They were Dungeons & Dragons dice. Um, Which is in the first timeline, but go ahead. Yeah. And like the one thing he found, he found a D20, a D10, and a D3. Because in Dungeons & Dragons, you need dice that have more than just six sides. So one dice has 20 sides. It's called a D20. Uh-huh. So that was kind of the weird looking one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at one point, he mentions some, one of my favorite subplots of the world is uh, he says, like, a lot of people are like, think this game makes you go crazy. And there really was a panic in the early 1980s about whether or not playing Dungeons & Dragons was satanic. And there were rumors that kids were dying because they were trying to act out Dungeons & Dragons. And they would go into, like, tunnels below towns and, kill, and end up dead because of, like, playing the game. And they were, like, tapping into that in the show. Uh, I didn't even I didn't um, even draw that. Oh, I knew a lot about that. And do you do you not remember the Tom Hanks movie Maces of Monsters? No. So there's an '80s Tom Hanks is like an after school made for TV movie called Maces of Monsters, where Tom Hanks plays a guy in college who gets like addicted to Dungeons and Dragons and ends up like killing someone and going crazy because he like can't separate the game from reality. Which is like what people worried about at the time. It was kind of like the remember when like Grand Theft Auto Three came out. Yeah, it was like the Grand Theft Auto Three of nineteen eighty two. People were like, "This game's dangerous. Don't let your kids play it. Like they'll kill each other." Um, also, a throwback to episode one. I love that one of the teenagers uh, is automatically suspect because they had a Black Sabbath shirt on. Yeah, they had like a whole discussion about what exactly a Black Sabbath was. And and like I was I was thinking like, wow, like I don't think any kid today wearing a shirt would ever like make me think twice like you know what i mean but i guess yeah in 1980 like you're wearing a black sabbath shirt people are like you worship the devil and especially i believe if i'm correct um it was right around that time where ozzy bit the head off the uh the bat so yeah. like yeah that could have that could have worked out very well do you remember the day of the murder jeff it was the day Stephen Queen died. Yeah, it was the day Stephen Queen died. Yeah. So anyway, did you note the scene when Wayne pours out a little liquor for him? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Uh, anyway, the one thing we got to see was uh, in 1990 Stephen Dorff, and he goes to the house of the guy, and it seems like they're good friends. He goes, "Oh, you helped me out a lot." So I'm assuming we're going to see, you know, more about what that's about. Although I don't think we are because that happened in 1985, which is not one of the timelines. Yeah, uh, oh, okay. I thought maybe... Oh, let's see them start to develop yeah. a relationship. But he says to him, I've been five years sober. Thank you for, like, pulling me out of, like, the pit. Mm-hmm. As Stephen Dorff's, like, doing all well. Like, he's all cleaned up and shit. Yeah, yeah, he's fancy now with those, like, suits. So uh, let me go... We'll end with this. Uh, I want to go through the case of suspects as of now. Okay. All right, I have Brett Woodward. Okay. The Indian. Um, yeah, the junk man. Yeah, so obviously at the end of the episode, he carries... Which is looks like a body. I think it's a gun. But uh, he carries a duffel bag filled with something out there. Um, I think he might be the one, they motherfucker, that they pin it on. I also think he might be the one. I do think it's possible that was a body. I think it's possible he did something wrong. But not the But kids. not this specific. I don't think he kidnapped these kids. Um, Dan O'Brien, the cousin with the people. Right now, he's my suspect number one. Okay. Um, Lucy Purcell, the mom. Um, she died in 1985 in Las Vegas. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm waiting to see more about her. Okay. Um, I'm glad that my, uh, phone's doing that. And my number one suspect, I think, okay. Jeff, um, the teacher slash wife. Did you get that off the internet? No. Oh, that, I was going to tell you that's like the most popular like internet. Cause I, uh, I think like they're doing theory. too much on him forgetting his memory. So they're going to pull a memento and have him forget on purpose. The main, so that's, that exact theory has been all over the internet, that the wife killed the kids, 
to become a writer mm-hmm. and that his memory is related to like suppressing trauma around discovering that. Yeah. Um, I don't, I, hope, I, hope I, this, I certainly don't, I certainly hope not. It sounds yeah. like not that cool. Yeah. Um, it would seem a little surprising because she didn't like one, if your plan is to kill children in order to be a writer, to be a writer, why would you leave one of them alive for a, like a long period of time? Mm-hmm. Like send a note and stuff. And two, she didn't. She didn't seem to know that Lucy was alive, and then got involved in like finding out more about Lucy. So it would also seem unlikely that she had kidnapped these kids, like murdered one of them, and and like let one go, and then like that one didn't come home. Um, and also, it was like somehow related to this brown sedan with like the the black man and the white woman. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, you know, it's an intriguing idea. I certainly think I'm willing to follow the show wherever it goes if that's what happens. You know. Maybe it'll be cool, but, like, that does not sound like what I want to have happen. Do you want it to be one of these people, or do you want it to be someone we haven't met? And, like, we won't meet till, like, episode seven. I don't necessarily want it to be anyone. I want the story to be interesting. Uh Uh, It wouldn't bother me if it was one of these people. But we all know the, uh, was it the Yellow King? Was, like, no one we knew. You know, Carcosa. You know Carcosa. Y'all know Carcosa. Um, Like, he just happened to be a janitor. I hope that the mystery is complicated enough that it's not one of these people, or that if it is one of these people... They were involved in a conspiracy with some other people. Yeah. Like, if it was just like, oh, yeah, it was the cousin and he killed them. I'll be like, oh, that's that's weird. But mm-hmm. if it's like something more deep than that, I'd be into it. Okay. All right. Well, um, yeah, we'll be back next week for, for episode four of True Protective. Real, and we'll have Matt. We'll have Matt up. back, who may or may not have seen it. He, <laughs> he might have been busy with his girl with a flower in her hair. Do you agree that Matt will show up for episode four and he'll be wearing a Hawaiian shirt, a lei, and he'll have like a drink and a coconut? <laughs> And he'll be like, I don't know, guys. Like, this is just like the way I live now. Far out, man. Far out. He'll definitely be wearing he's sandals. He's in the 70s. He's, yeah, he's going to be like, you know, he's living that island I want him life, to wear man. basketball shorts and sandals. I hope he is. Yes. I hope he was wearing jeans on the beach. Yes. I want him to wear that, too. All right, guys. Well, uh, appreciate it. That was your first episode of True Brotective mm-hmm. um, starring Tom and Jeff. And next week, God damn it, it'll be Matt. And um, Jeff, anything else? No, it's been a great talk. And I look forward to... Hearing what all the doctors thought about this episode. Mm -hmm. All right, guys. Take it easy. Peace out.